The Old Testament reading is from Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 10 through 14. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring back to you this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading is from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is the word of the Lord. Now, thanks, Mike. And again, good, good evening, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, good to be together uh, today. Hey, I have something I, I want to show you. Uh, Rube Goldberg, some of you may be familiar with Rube Goldberg. He was uh, a cartoonist, uh, best known for creating these wacky machines that take a simple task and then complicates it. And this is one of Rube Goldberg's machines. Can you figure out what it's supposed to do? Anybody? Ah, staple a piece of paper. It all begins with the alarm clock there on the left. The alarm clock goes off, vibrates the table, causes the rock to fall, to, to spin the little Ferris wheel there that knocks the cup over, spilling out all the marbles into the bucket, which then causes the, to pull on the rope to cut, uh, for the scissors to cut the string, and then the shoe drops on the head of the stapler, and there you have it stapled paper. Now, wasn't that easy? <laughs> no. Although whimsical, you know, what if this were what it took in order for us to be able to staple some paper together? I mean, yikes, how, how tedious, how, how intimidating. It, 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 wouldn't, it would uh, be enough to make one long for something a whole lot simpler in order to make it happen. Well, my friends, before sin entered into creation, Adam and Eve enjoyed close communion with Almighty God. There was nothing to get in the way. There was nothing about it that was tedious. There was nothing about it that was intimidating. Simple, sweet, unencumbered communion with Almighty God. In fact, in Genesis 3, mention is made of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And he was looking for Adam and Eve. And you get the sense that this was more than just an out-of-the-ordinary experience, that indeed this was a common experience. 
I mean, imagine having daily walks and daily talks with Almighty God, the one who had created us to live in communion with him. Well, sin disrupted that blessed relationship. And soon after they had sinned, Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, and they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid and I hid myself. I don't know about you, but it just breaks the heart. You can almost imagine God wanting to ask, you hid yourself because you were afraid of me? I mean, this was completely foreign to what God had in mind when he had created them. Yet that is what sin does. It makes us afraid of God. It separates us from him. It results in our being subjected to his wrath and condemnation. The writer of Hebrews says it well when he writes, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But I say it again, this is not what God wants between he and his people. He created us to be in communion with him. So to our first parents, God made a promise that he would do something to remove the dividing wall of sin. He promised that one day he would send a mediator who would come alongside and bring us back to him. Someone who would restore fellowship between us and God. Biblically, a mediator is someone who represents God to human and humans to God. He is someone who makes peace between two parties. He is someone who removes all alienation. In the Old Testament, priests served as mediators between the people and God. They would offer sacrifices to atone for the sins of the people, and they would go before God on behalf of the people. So also for us, if ever we need to resolve an issue with someone, it's often uh, most appreciated if there's someone else who can go along with us. My wife, out of all of her siblings, enjoyed a close rapport with her father so much so that her brothers at times would approach her and say, hey, Sue, go ask Dad if we can do this. Moses certainly appreciated Aaron when God sent him to speak to Pharaoh. Aaron served as a mediator for Moses And as it turned out, Aaron became the first in a long line of priests who served as mediators between the people and God. Well, this, my friends, is what the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is all about. Jesus came to be our mediator. And by offering himself up as the sacrifice for our sins, He has removed alienation between us and God. 
The Apostle Paul writes, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for us all. Jesus is the ultimate high priest to whom all the other priests pointed. Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice to which all the other sacrifices pointed. Jesus is the ultimate mediator between us and God. Understand what this now means for you and for me. First of all, the Apostle Paul declares there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. No separation. No alienation. Secondly, as we heard in our epistle reading for tonight, the writer of Hebrews assures us that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. In the creeds, as we will do tonight, we confess that Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, I I want you here right now, I, I want you in your mind's eye. I want you to imagine, I want you to see this, Jesus sitting there next to the Father in heaven. And as you're looking at this, I want you to ask, so why is Jesus sitting there? Well, of course, there's the obvious answer, because he deserves to sit there. I mean, as recorded in Revelation, John witnessed many angels numbering myriads upon myriads and thousands and thousands, all saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. But I also want you to understand that there's another reason why Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. You see, he's not just sitting there for himself. He's sitting there for you. And he's sitting there for me. He is sitting there as our mediator. He is sitting there to speak to the Father on our behalf. Are you still envisioning this? You see, whenever you and I pray, we ascend into the heavenly throne room where Christ is. And there we see him seated next to the Father. And when we pray, Jesus is there for us. And when we speak, Jesus is there to speak on our behalf. You see, a Christian never ever prays alone. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says Jesus Christ wants to pray with us and to have us pray with him so that we may be confident and glad that God hears us. The writer of Hebrews likewise exhorts us, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and and find grace to help in our time of need. You know, sometimes I fear that Satan has tainted our understanding of prayer. I mean, some are are intimidated by it. I mean, how many times I hear someone say, I feel so awkward when I pray, or I don't know what to say. 
And others view prayer as tedious, like, like it has to be done a certain way with all these rules, you know, and, you know bowing the head and folding the hand, hands and all these other things. And at times it feels so complicated. My friends, prayer is simply talking to God. It is simply taking what is in our hearts, what is going through our minds, and lifting those things up to our Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus, our mediator. And even in those moments when we might struggle to find the right words, the Apostle Paul assures us that likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For at times we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. When my boys were younger, I loved those moments when they would come to me and say, Dad, can we talk? Dad, can I ask you something? And even though my boys are older, married, have children of their own, and, and in many ways are much more wiser than I am, yet my heart still glows whenever they turn to me for advice, ask for my perspective, or open up about something that they're facing in their lives. It speaks to the depth of the relationship that we share and the blessings we enjoy through simply being in relationship with one another. As of late, I especially delight in the conversations I have with my granddaughters. And sometimes they just talk small talk, you know. It's, I enjoy those conversations. And other times they ask some meaningful questions that even challenge me. I love it when they tell me a secret. And especially when they say, Pap, Pap, I love you no matter what. It's now been 45 years that I've known my wife. I especially delight when we're able to take a moment and just sit back and talk. My friends, you and I are precious in the eyes of Almighty God. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Just as there are those in our lives with whom we delight in having close communion and, and close conversation and they with us, the God of all creation desires that even more with you and me to live in closest and constant communion with the one to whom we matter the most. Thus as our mediator, Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Which means through Jesus, God's door is always open open. It is never closed. It is never locked. It will never have a do not disturb sign hanging on the doorknob. The psalmist reminds us God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. 
In Proverbs we read, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. My friends, no doubt we've all heard some beautiful prayers at church. Some ancient, some poetic, some just downright beautiful. And sometimes we, we could wish that maybe we could pray like so-and-so or, or someone else or, or like one of those prayers. But I want you to understand this. One of the sweetest sounds in the ears of Almighty God is the sound of your voice. My dear friends, because of what Jesus has done for us, you and I are now able to boldly approach God's throne of grace with confidence and simply say, God, can we talk? It really is that simple. Amen? Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, may it keep our hearts and our minds through our faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.